Chapter 3, Understanding Our True State Without Christ and the Kingdom We Are Born Into. If what I write in this chapter comes as a shock to you, or you even find yourself aggressively opposing what I say, can I encourage you to seek him for what is written as to whether it is of him or not? I have such a strong conviction that if we receive a revealed position of the content of this chapter, our relationship with him will be altered to such a degree that we will wonder what we have been doing in our relationship with him thus far. One of the things that Danielle and I are trying to teach our children at the moment is learning to value and appreciate what they actually have. The area of food is a classic when it comes to trying to get our children to value and appreciate the food that is laid before them. The variety of food that is available to them to partake of is vast, and yet at times there can be a complete disregard, disrespect, and a lack of appreciation for what is in front of them. Why is this the case when a major number of people around the world are starving to death because of the lack of food or water? And these people would give their right arm to eat basic foods, never mind the luxuries we indulge in in the West. I suggest the reason that we are like this is because we have no understanding or reference point for a reality we have never experienced ourselves. We don't understand or even value their situation because we have never faced this reality. In fact, we take it for granted and on many occasions abuse what we have and never come to appreciate the enormity of what we have. We lack knowledge. Hosea 4 verse 6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being my priest. If we find ourselves rejecting the true knowledge of our true fallen state without Christ and the kingdom we are from because of our own insecurities or wrong mindsets, then we too can be destroyed for a lack of this knowledge. How do we truly love God with all of ourselves, sharing this love with others and laying our entire lives down for him and his purposes when we don't truly know, appreciate or value the enormity of what we have been redeemed from and for? Romans 2 verse 4 says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? The lack of this revealed knowledge will affect our relationship with him deeply, and we will struggle to come into the fullness of life he has for us without it. If we want to truly understand where we are going and everything that God has for us as his children, then it is imperative we understand our true state without Christ and the kingdom we were born into. How else can we fully appreciate him without this knowledge? I suggest you we won't be able to. You who are evil. I wonder if you've ever noticed anything in the passage below in Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? When you read this passage, if you are anything like me, you have focused on asking, seeking, and knocking, and that God gives to his children who ask according to his will. Those who ask are given, those who seek find, and those who knock, the door is open. We believe that God will answer and give us more of his spirit because he is our loving father. As it says, why would a loving father give you the opposite of what you are asking for? 
There is nothing wrong with any of what I have written above, and with the right motive we are to be asking, seeking, and knocking for more of his Spirit operating in us. But have you ever noticed verse 11 before and taken note of what Jesus is saying here? If you, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Who on earth is Jesus calling evil? Who is he speaking to? The answer to this question is all of mankind. Every person that has ever been, every person that was present that day, including his own disciples, and every person that was still to be born, is born evil. Put another way, all past, present, and future people are born evil. Genesis 8.21 teaches us that. The intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. King David understood his true state and the state he was born with. He understood who he was and that who he was was fallen. Psalm 51 verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. David is declaring to us the fallen nature he was born with. This is why he says in Psalms 51 too, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Mankind struggles to accept this reality because we say, How can a little child be born evil? A little child is innocent and has done nothing wrong. We make the mistake of thinking evil just relates to someone doing something really bad, rather than it being a nature that is just in us. Man also has no reference point for the standard that God sets, so inherently sets his own standard to justify his own behavior. This may come as a shock to you, and you may find yourself completely disagreeing with this truth because inherently we all believe we are of some value. We all believe that we are of some worth, and at the core of who we are, we are good. But this is contrary to what Scripture teaches. Romans 3, 9-18 What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is who we all were before we accepted Christ, and even though this is not who we are now, this nature still exists, and if given permission to live, it will continue to. Self needs to be put to death through the power of the Spirit of truth operating within us. Without Christ, we are all evil at our core, and we are all self-centered, self-consumed, and self-focused. This is the true state of man without Christ. We say things like, we are in the world, but not of the world. And this is true, but we must also realize that the world actually lives in us. The way the world thinks, the way the world builds, the way it operates, what the world values as important, and who it values as most important. The one who sits on the throne is the king of self. Many followers of Jesus do not even realize the extent to which this nature of self continues to be in them, even though we have received him as our Lord and Savior. The amazing thing is, is that even though this nature lives in us, it doesn't need to stop us receiving and living from the full life of the Spirit. If self continues to live in, 
it will establish itself on the throne of our new lives and continue to determine the way we think, see, learn, love, and live our lives. It is the revealing of our true nature within us through the power of the Holy Spirit that births a true biblical posture of humility towards God and others. Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Notice the position is of the spirit and not the flesh. Anyone can look like they are humble through doing physical acts of service. And although this true position of the spirit will outwork itself in a demonstration of humility in the physical, this is a position of spirit before it's a position of the physical. This is a position that the spirit of truth leads us into through a powerful conviction of God's living word piercing our heart. This reality starts us on the journey of truly appreciating, comprehending, and understanding the all-consuming love of Christ, the power of this revealed position. It is the revealed position of this truth within us that enables us and empowers us to see the true state of our heart. We get to see from God's perspective, and God's perspective is true. This revealed position repositions us and manipulates us back into the right alignment with the Father. Just like a chiropractor may have to manipulate an area of our spine that is out of alignment to get it back into right alignment, so it is with God's living word. It is this true biblical position of humility, which is of the Spirit, which has us starting our journey with Him accurately and on the right footing. We are no longer full of our own importance, thinking that we have it all together and continually trying to do things our own way as His people. We no longer ask Him to bless our empire building, being consumed with our own lives and our self-value that we hold so dearly. Our pride and arrogance that Romans 3, 9-18 speaks of has been dealt a severe blow, while at the same time true biblical humility of the Spirit is birthed within us. This is the greatest starting point of truly following Jesus wholeheartedly because through the power of revelation we are shown our true state without Him. I have had leaders of Jesus literally pull me aside and tell me that we should not teach followers of Jesus their true state before Christ because it makes people feel bad and condemned. This is an incredible sad reality today. How does one truly appreciate and value who Jesus is and the incredible love he has for us as his people if we don't understand who we are without him? It is the understanding of our true nature without Christ that has us in complete adoration, reverence, and awe of his love for us. How can someone truly appreciate the value of the enormity of a love for them that they have no reference point for? If someone doesn't know their true state, then this love is taken for granted and will often be abused and treated with disregard. It is no different to the analogy I gave with our children. They never appreciate the food they are given because they have no reference point for what they don't have. All they have ever known is an abundance of good food. This analogy doesn't really come close to the point I'm trying to make. Only when we truly know who we are without him and what we have been saved from and for can we truly know and value who he is and who we are in him. The revealing of this truth will put to death any self-righteousness that may exist in our hearts. It also aligns any insecurities and identity issues we may have operating. Ask yourself this question, do I still see myself as inherently having self-value and self-worth and being good in nature as a person? If so, may I suggest that you are still to come into a true biblical revelation of who you are without Christ, which limits your understanding of God's incredible love for you and who you are being called to become. How can we truly appreciate and have a full understanding of what we have been saved to if we don't the enormity of what we have been saved from? 
if we are yet to come into this position of knowledge in Christ, it's not too late. It's not about when we receive this understanding of his truth, but that we receive this truth. Ask, seek, and knock on heaven's door for this revealed knowledge within you. Persevere with him and wrestle with him until you receive it. I promise you it will change and impact your relationship with him like nothing else because it will birth within you an incredible dimension and substance of his humility and his love. You will now be able to live from this new realm rather than wondering how it all happens. The kingdom we are born into. This may or may not shock you, but we are all born into the kingdom of darkness. We were all born into Satan's domain where Satan is the prince. Jesus has literally had to rescue us out of the grips of his domain. Colossians 1.13 For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This domain that lives within us, which is called the flesh, is in opposition to the spirit of God and God's ways. The flesh lives in complete opposition to the spirit. And this is why we must die to the flesh and walk and live by the spirit if we are to come into the fullness of life in Christ. Romans 8 verse 5 to 9. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. We are to be a people of the spirit and not the flesh, and we will be these people if the spirit dwells in us. The Bible says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. The ways of the domain of darkness are present in us because our flesh still remains. And if we give it license to live, it will. It will define the culture of our heart posture, our mindsets, our priorities, and our decisions. Just because we have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light doesn't automatically mean we start living from this dimension of light. It is fully possible to be in the kingdom of light, but still live as if you are in the kingdom of darkness, because you attempt to see, hear, receive, and understand through this old, unrenewed filter. All you are doing is adopting the mode of being from the kingdom you are from, and trying to apply it in this mode, in this brand new kingdom of light. This will never work and leads to frustration, disillusionment, and ultimately to death. We will always be on the outside of a reality that is to be operating within us. We can't take the learning and operating systems of the flesh and start applying them in this new domain. We do try. This reality is present in the church today. We have hoodwinked ourselves and led ourselves into a false reality of God's truth because just like the world, we honor the mind and establish the mind as the place of learning as opposed to the heart as the Bible teaches. Acts 28, 27, for the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Understanding in our hearts is what leads us back to him, and from here, because our hearts have come into true alignment with him, God can now start to bring his transformational life into our lives, which causes us to become whole and complete in him. The heart represents the spirit, and this is where we receive spiritual sight, hearing, and understanding. It is here that the spirit starts to make us free. 
The mind gets renewed by the Spirit through this process. The kingdom we were all born into, the kingdom of the flesh, operates completely opposite to the kingdom of the Spirit of light. The kingdom of the flesh says, live for yourself and take care of yourself first, and then possibly consider others. While the kingdom of light says, lay your life down for others and put others first and don't even think about yourself. I can't stress enough how the culture and the value systems of each kingdom are so polar opposites of one another, and yet we have both these kingdoms living within us. So the challenge becomes about which kingdom we actually live our lives from. Do we live and walk from the spirit or from the flesh? Are our ways of learning and thinking from the spirit or from the flesh? Is it the culture of the spirit of the kingdom of light which defines the way we live our lives? Or is it the spirit from the kingdom of darkness that defines the way we live our lives? The flesh in operation. In Luke 9 verse 55, we see Jesus saying to James and John, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. This is in relation to them wanting to command fire down from heaven and consume the Samaritans when they wouldn't receive him for his preparations. Jesus' response to James and John is clearly communicating the way of the kingdom of light, which is living and operating within him. He says, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. These aren't just any men. This is James and John. They are part of Jesus' type three. They are the ones he takes up with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. These are the ones he takes into certain situations that he leaves others out of. This is the John who said that Jesus loved him the most out of all the others. This is the one who wrote the book of John and the book of Revelation of Jesus. This is a weird version of love coming out of these men right now. You see, this is a beautiful example of the two different kingdoms in operation in all of us. It doesn't matter who you are or if you have walked with Christ physically or not. The flesh realm lives in all of us, and it must come into submission to the Spirit. Otherwise, it will come out of us in times of pressure or missed expectations when we don't get what we want or what we believe is right. The kingdom of darkness wants to kill and destroy because the response towards it wasn't favorable and as it thought it should be. This response didn't match the expectation that this kingdom culture carried, and so it responded as it does when it doesn't get what it wants. In comparison to this, the kingdom of light responds in the complete opposite posture, regardless of what is coming at it. It responds from the position of what it is, love, mercy, grace, patience, and kindness. Love commands a different response. When love is present, it comes to the fore no matter what it might be confronted with. What comes out of us in times of pressure or when we don't get what we want or what we believe is right? Every one of us is to be a people of the Spirit and value the things of the Spirit higher than the things of the flesh. Jesus told Pilate his kingdom, the kingdom of light, was not from this world. He said that if his kingdom was from this worldly realm, the realm of the flesh, then his men would fight and rescue him out of the hands of the Jews. The kingdom that lived in Christ was completely opposite to the kingdom of the world. The kingdom that was operating in Christ is to be operating in us. This is ground still not walked upon by many, so we find it impossible to be the demonstration of it. This is our true reality, but do we believe that all things are possible in Christ? Will we be a people who believe and trust in His ability through the power of His living Word to bring us into this position as we submit and surrender our ways and lives to Him? It's the power of the gospel that takes us out of one realm and propels us into another. It's in this that we discover the indestructible life we are called to live from.
in this next chapter, we'll be looking at the indestructible life in Christ.